Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 126 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we catch up with Lucy Barnard from Tangles and Tail as she makes her way from the bottom of South America to the top of North America in an epic journey across the length of the world. Now, for those of you that haven't already listened to episode 108, it'd be worthwhile listening to that one first, just to see what the trip was about and what she's actually doing. Uh, And this episode will catch you up on the previous four, four and a half months uh, as she's uh, just about to leave Peru and head into Ecuador. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so it's now been about four and a half months since we've talked to Lucy, uh, and the last time we talked to her, uh, she was approximately around about halfway through, two-thirds of the way through Peru. Now, as we catch her up to her four and a half months later, she's in San Ignacio, if I've got my pronunciation right, approximately yep. about 50 kilometres from the border. So welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast again, Lucy. Thank you. It's great to be here again. All right. So, what have you been doing in the last four of four and a half months? What's 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 been the highlights? What's been the lowlights? Uh, Peru has been really exceptional. Um, I was just thinking about it as you were talking. Um, I've really walked through a lot of different areas and a lot of different environments. So I started in the desert and um, as I left the desert, that's just after I'd spoken to you, I started to climb into the mountain areas and to get up there, I had to pass through some really interesting um, sections that were full of this sandy powder, kind of like talcum powder to get up high. And that's where I started to experience altitude sickness. So that was the first time I've ever experienced that before. and having to manage that uh, was a real mind game because I it really I just thought it came down to my fitness because I'd been walking on flat land for so long in the desert. Um, so that was a real challenge. And after about a week or so of getting into that area, it was the first time that I passed a river with trees and grass for probably six months. So. I think that, I think I remember that photo actually. I think it's uh, there was there was one photo there. I'm thinking this is almost like Australia the way it looked. Yeah, and it was so nourishing just to hear water running and wind. It really it's just it was a really amazing moment because I had I didn't realize how dehydrated my mental state was after trekking through the desert and people are so lovely in the desert and it's a there's a great community and it's beautiful how you go into these towns and there are these eruptions of life and um there are farms and fruit trees and all sorts of things but then as soon as you leave the town you go back into this desolate environment um so arriving and having uh, my first week following a river was really cleansing so that was a t- absolute highlight and i stopped and spent some time next to some 
uh, waterfalls because I, I just wanted to sit and feel like I'd survived something really hard and um, in, and enjoy it. And how did how did Wombat appreciate that? <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting is um, he's only just now getting comfortable with swimming in water. And the reason, I mean, obviously they, he hasn't had much experience with water, so now he just goes insane when he sees sand because he thinks that's really fun to dig in. <laughs> um, but he's just not an experienced swimmer. So um, I have a little backpack that he carries and he um, with, him, with him he takes things like um, spare clothes for him for when it's cold and he'll take a few bits and pieces Um like an uh, inflatable mat that he can sleep on. But it also is a bit in um, this, this backpack's a l- like water resistant. It's not waterproof, but it provides like a flotation device for him. Yep. And so every so often he'll jump into a river and he'll swim with that on like <laughs> he's got floaties on and he just loses his mind. Once he gets out of the water, the, the, that sensation on his skin just sends him bonkers. bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose as, as you say, if uh, if you're not seeing a lot of lot of reasonable water bodies, it's probably not, you know. I suppose most Australian yeah. dogs tend to get hit, end up loving water because they're they're around it so much. But uh, yeah, yeah. G- given the fact you've been in the mountains and the desert, the yeah, water's probably not as not as bigger a bigger thing. Yeah, he was really nervous about it for quite some time, but now he's right into it. Um, and so we left that area, and um, I started heading up a little bit further where I reached my first 5,000-metre region. And, you know, there was one day where I think it took me 10 hours to do 14 kilometres just all uphill, and it wasn't that steep. It's just when you're at that height, there is half the oxygen available, so you have to breathe twice as hard and your body over the day gets completely depleted of oxygen and so at night you feel quite unwell and it almost is as though your batteries recharge over the evening while you're breathing and getting that oxygen back into your system. So I would feel okay in the mornings, but there were a few nights where I was a little bit nervous about my health. Um, and at the same time, I'm surrounded by these snow-capped mountains and it was it's so different to be able to walk in the daytime um, whereas I'd, in the desert I'd had to walk in the night because it was too hot. So having fresh water sources and greenery and snowy mountains was a real delight. Um, And I continued for a little bit um, in that fashion. And then I switched from using a hiking trailer into having a backpack, which really liberated me a lot because it meant that I was able to follow some old Incan trails which are full of stairs and um, sometimes the trail disappears a little bit for some time and then you find it again. Um, and that that's probably been the highlight of my entire trip following the Incan Trail. It's just it's beautiful and towns aren't so far away that you're uncomfortable with having heavy load. Um, and just recently, I've then descended, so I'm now at about well, I'm under a thousand meters again, and I've walked into the jungle. So I'm now in an environment where it's hot, it's humid. I thought it was green before, but now it's really, really green. <laughs> there's lots of water around, um, but then also there's mosquitoes and like annoying things and hot in the day again so I have to start early and walk later in the evening 
because, um, I mean, I can push through, but I have to be really responsible with Wombat and he really is unhappy walking through hot days. Yeah, I, I must admit, we, we did uh, the Salkantai track in Peru uh, uh, in 2006. Um, is that the, the morning bell, is it? Or the yeah, evening? there's a church. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 to 7, time to get up, everybody. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, we, we, yeah, we, we found that we uh, we, we walked up the, uh, near the base of Mount Salkantai, so we were up around about the 5,000-metre mark, and within half a day we were back down in the jungle and it was tropical and, and steamy. Yeah. So, um, Amazing. And, I re- and you really see the change. You know, it's I'm covering about 30 kilometres a day, and in that window, you really there is a definable difference between being up in um, the fresh, cool nights um, where one night I wasn't, warm enough and Wombat and I were snuggling and then the next night I didn't even take my sleeping bag out of its bag because it was just too hot. Yeah, you know, it's um, uh, I, I think that's the thing. It's I, I, I must admit I, I have a real issue with altitude. Once I get over about 3,500 metres all the energy mm. just disappears, and as you say, it's sort of downhill. I have no problem whatsoever, but going uphill, I I slow right down. Yeah, uh, and, me too. Uh, uh, and yeah, and it does make it it does make it hard. It's sort of you know, the distances aren't really the issue. As as you say, it's the lack of oxygen. You you, you just yeah, you, you, it's so weird. It's like you're a smoker. I've never been a smoker, but I imagine <laughs> that is what it would be like. Um, and it kind of it really irritates me because I've read the statistics and it says something along the lines of only 12% of people are affected over 3,000 and only half over 5,000. And I haven't met a single person who isn't affected at the 3,000 metre mark. Um, and I, it makes me wonder who they're investigating. <laughs> they're probably Peruvians who've lived in the mountains their whole life. <laughs> I must admit, I uh, when we did do South America, that we were both fairly badly affected, and I, you know, I was I was having hallucinations, border, you know, you know the, the the dreams were bordering on hallucinations, and yeah, and after about after yeah, you know, the next morning I was fine, but I found that um, the next time I did those sort of altitudes in in Bhutan, um, we drank a lot more water, and that made a huge difference. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and, and uh, I find. For me um, and for mum, when mum came and visited, this really helped her. Um, drinking juice, the, I don't know what, what it is, if it's the high sugar content and how it affects your body, but you, I find that I get almost immediate relief from drinking juice. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, as you say, you're, you're lacking energy because of the oxygen, so getting energy from some sort of source certainly seems to help. So yeah. All right, so um, you, you're saying you, 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 you're, you're down pretty much now out of the, the really serious mountains for the moment? Yeah, well, <laughs> for the next two days I am. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I enter into Ecuador and um, it makes Peru look like a kindergarten for hikers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be graduating from um, an average of 4,000 metres and um, the peaks that I'll be passing through Ecuador, they're not just high. I mean, they, they're above 5,000, but um, also – I have to, dro- you know, there's one day where I'll be dropping 2,000 metres in one across the 30 kilometres. So um, I, I expect that it's going to take me a little bit longer to get through Ecuador than I've, than I've planned. 
um, it, it's the, the terrain is a lot more severe. And I must admit, I, you know, you tend to hear of all these South American countries and, and I just said, I've been to Peru, but for some reason, Ecuador always has these pictures in my mind of being a more remote sort of country. Is that the case? Or is it just that, um, you know, it's just not as well known as, as Peru and a lot of the bigger countries? I think that's it. I think it's probably just not as well known, not as well travelled. Um, but I'm really fortunate in that uh, there have been some people in Ecuador developing two trails. Um, one, they're both for cyclists, but one is for people who are happy to hike with their bike um, because it's a single trail that's quite difficult. So I'll be able to follow that trail and I'll, there's another trail I'll be able to follow, which is its easier brother they call it um and the photos that i've seen coming off of these trails have me really excited they're just so beautiful and i think ecuador is probably going to be a real hot up and coming for hikers and cyclists alike that's good. It's good to hear. It'll be, it'll be interesting to talk to you once you've actually been through Ecuador and uh, and and yeah. see see see, how, see if it pans out like you thought it would do. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I only have three months through there, and then I um, don't have any trails that I know of to walk through in Colombia. So it's kind of bittersweet. I'm really excited, but also um, a little bit sad that I'm going to have to probably start hiking on roads again yeah i was going to say and will you and, and is that going to be with a backpack or is that you're going to get the trailer yeah. back of, okay well, that's that's good um yeah. okay so over the last couple of uh over the last four to six weeks you you've had a companion with you that, uh, and i believe it is uh, he was he's a uh, a media person is he yeah, he's an adventurer photographer. His name's Dan Taylor. Um, and he came because he wanted to get some photos of my expedition, help me with record keeping, and also um, to put together the beginning of a film, which would be really great if we can get this um, documented in a, in a nice and beautiful way like that. Um, but, of course, I have to be able to get him back here. So we're looking at getting... Um, a collection of people to come when they're able to to collect footage. All right, and 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 as he is he now gone or are you back by yourself again or are you? Yeah, and you know it was so nice having him walking with me. So I've had two friends recently come and walk alongside me, and one friend was just not as fit as he thought he was, um, <laughs> and a lot of that was to do with altitude. But I mean he. It, oh, it was a it was a bit of a disaster to be fair because he wasn't able to carry um, any food um, or shared equipment, so it meant that it ended up being a lot more work for me. Um, and it was it just kind of like we still had a good time, but it just wasn't the expect what the expectation was. And so when Dan said he was coming with all of this camera equipment, I just thought I'm not going to be able to help you because I'm switching back into my backpack this could be a real nightmare but actually you know he's really fit really motivated um photographer and not like yeah he did get an injury and he did take a few days off and he was really willing to hitch forward when he needed to which was great because he doesn't speak any spanish um and it really um re-inspired or gave me back some faith about being able to walk with people because you've got to keep in mind that I do some really big distances and 
people that are um, hikers but not seasoned long-distance hikers have a have a really hard time, you know, let alone people that want to bring extra gear. <laughs> Um, but it was great, and now that I'm on my own again, it's a bit. It's not. It's not as. It's not as fun. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right there, and I think even people that are experienced hikers or and, and experienced long distance hikers, the fact you've been walking for so long, you know, you, you you get up, you know, you're going to be doing roughly thirty kilometers tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Whereas yeah. so, someone someone you know someone flies over, they're a bit jet lagged. You know, it takes a little yeah. while to get used to the local local environment and, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm doing 30 kilometres straight up. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, we dialed it down for the first few days for both of them. Um, but I think also, like, I have problems with visas. I have to get – I have to make the distances. Um, there's no way around it. And so for both of them, I had said that you're probably going to have to hitch forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I think in the future, if I have people come and walk with me, they just need to be professional adventurers yeah, <laughs> because yeah. um, it's not fair on them, you know. Like um, Dan had a great time and he is really seasoned. Um, and for my other friend, Jace, he just d- didn't have as good of a time as he could have if it was a hiking holiday where you can go for three days and then go and hang out in a hostel or do something different. Yeah, I think yeah, I suppose that's it. It's 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 for them. It's a holiday for you. It's it's a it's a it's a life experience. And yeah, you, you, as you say, you've you've got a certain time frame. You've got to be in and out of countries, and you, you you can't afford to take too much time off or slow down too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've got a different budget as well. So for my um, friends, I've now said to them, well, you know, it's a good lesson learned because from now on, you all can come and visit at a at a. Um, in a town where we can eat and enjoy each other's company without the um, stress of the hike, which yeah. I'd prefer to do anyway. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what how you go once you get into the states, and depending on which trails you do in the states. And I, I know I know at one stage you were talking about doing the uh, the Pacific Crest Trail, and mm-hmm. certainly the, the the once people get towards the end and getting up into Washington uh, and Seattle, they're they're doing sort of forty mile days, uh, which is insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't do that. I do thirty kilometers, and maybe it's because of the um, hill climbs that like maybe it's the terrain that affects that the only time I've done really big kilometers my biggest day I think was 60k something like that yeah um and it was only because I had to get into town so that I could get a meet a truck driver to get me back to Santiago so that I could meet my mum for a holiday um otherwise I just find anything more than 35 kilometers maybe 40 is miserable (laughs) why would you do that (laughs) I think it's not so bad if you've got good scenery and it's flat and it's easy terrain, but yeah, you, you typically don't have that all all lining up in one go. All exactly. right. All right. So you're, you're roughly around about the 40, 45 kilometres from the, the Peru border. Um, so yes. when when do you expect to sort of um, uh, leave Peru? The next day or two? or Yeah. So it'll take me two days to get there. Tomorrow I leave San Ignacio. So I'll do my normal 30 kilometres and then I'll start nice and early. Um, There's a town right at the border. So I want to get there with enough time to um, eat a nice good meal. Um, And then depending on how long it takes me to get through that border, I will determine if I can get to the first town on the first day or if I need to take a bit of extra food with me. 
Right. Uh, now, how long do you expect to spend in um, uh, in Ecuador? Are you saying roughly about three months, was it? Or Yeah, I have got some mixed information. So I visited um, Ecuador with my mum over Christmas um, and that means that I've then depleted some of the time that I'm allowed annually. Yeah, um, yeah. And so – I might get 75 days or they might give me the full 90. I hope they give me the full 90. Um, but I will definitely be through <laughs> uh, Ecuador um, before the new year. Okay. So so Christmas, Christmas out, out of Ecuador or Christmas? Uh, uh, Ooh, I'll be cutting it close. <laughs> I'll probably be on the border Christmas Day, not understanding why there's no one there to process my visa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always good when, you, when that happens. It's like, oh, there's a border post, but there's no one here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from then on, so, so roughly three months in Ecuador, and then you expect to be uh, in Colombia after that is the next stop from there? That's it. And it's the same distance um, to get myself to Panama um, as as Ecuador. So um, I've budgeted three months for each. Um, but because the hu- hurricane season is approaching in Central America, yeah. I'm really trying to push through and get those both those countries done faster if possible because I really don't want to get caught in bad weather in Central America. I don't think it's going to be so bad in that I should be able to um, get from town to town almost daily. Um, but I really just don't enjoy walking in the rain. No, no. Yeah, it's, it, you don't mind doing it for a short period, but for, for a period of a couple of months, yeah, when you're getting high winds yeah. and torrential rain, it's not particularly pleasant. So No, and hot. Like it's just the whole catastrophe. No thanks. <laughs> how's how's your fitness going overall? It sounds like you're still maintaining a, a good pace and no no yeah. major issues at all. Not really. I mean, changing from the hiking trailer into a backpack, I certainly noticed um, that I had to build up my muscles again and get used to standing um, with a good posture in the backpack because that's a, an easy bad habit to develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But otherwise, um, I seem to be going quite well. I don't want to jinx myself, but everything seems to be holding up the way it should be. Um, and Wombat's holding up as well? Yes, he is. Um, he, I'm, I've noticed that around day five, he'll throw a tantrum and want to have a day off. And then if I <laughs> take a day off he'll throw a tantrum because he wants to be walking. So, <laughs> um, I mean, he's really super fit, but he's also really intelligent and I he knows how to push my buttons. But he's also just recently learned a trick where if he just collapses in front of a restaurant and refuses to move, the people in the restaurant come out and tell me that it's because he's tired and hungry and then give him free food. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Now it's just like having an embarrassing child throw a tantrum. When we pass restaurants in the middle of nowhere, he'll do that and people just look at me like I'm this cruel woman dragging this dog past their shop and I'm like, no, he just knows that you have food. <laughs> and, I, and I believe uh, from looking at one of your posts, he's learned, he's learned another trick about hide the, do- hide the dog bowl. 
Yes, <laughs> I've got a beautiful photo coming out um, on Instagram tomorrow with with a really nice photo of him running off with the ball. Um, it's just it's annoying because it's hard for me to get um, different bowls that fit nicely inside my pot, and then I can pack it well inside my backpack and I know that one day he's going to run off in the morning and hide the bowl and I'm going to forget to look for the bowl and then we're going to be down or sharing (laughs) (laughs) which yeah it's just it's it's funny and fun and cute but it's also really irritating (laughs) (laughs) well I suppose it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit of humor from his perspective and uh, (laughs) yeah definitely yeah that a sense of humour is definitely something he has. <laughs> how are you? How are you going mentally? I mean, you, you said you've had a few people uh, been hiking with you, but are you are you still coping? Is it is it st- you, you're still still happy? You're doing it. You, you're not 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 getting ready to give up or. Yeah, no, totally. Right now I'm doing well and I have learnt that those moments where I do want to give up is because I'm um, doing too many kilometres or I need to take a day off. So I kind of see those signs earlier now and rather than trying to push through I don't I will take a day off at the next town um, and treat myself to some good food um it's kind of it's kind of amazing because you think I'd be bored or um or want to move on to a different project or something um but it's really become a routine now and I think a big part of that is that People really get on and comment on my photos and tell me about their kids who love watching and I think that really helps um, keep me topped up so I don't really get depleted so much anymore um, with my attitude and approach to the hike. Um, but I say that. <laughs> Who knows what's waiting for me in Ecuador? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, I suppose that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's sort of uh, you tend to think of South America as being one big country, and it's like you know there, there are so many different cultures, and uh, and, yeah. and, and, and 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 the attitude to women in those countries tends to be a bit more uh, uh, thirty or forty years ago from a Western perspective. So yeah, uh, definitely. And also, I should say that I've been really lucky with. Um, um, access to the internet so far and the rules while I've been in Peru have changed so you can't just as a tourist get a sim card with the companies that have good internet anymore um and so it was very fortunate that I was able to get one before um that rule changed and I don't know how easy it's going to be for me to get another sim card in the next countries uh and I would imagine that um, if I don't have access to internet, that that will change um, in my mental fortitude yep. Um, yep. going forward because I really do rely on being able to check in with family and just have those that constant contact. And without it, I think it would be a lot more difficult. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's, in, it's, it's it'll be interesting. I must admit, I um, when I do do long silo hikes, I. Uh, I, I realised last year when I did the Bibbleman track, uh, you know, 35 days, I probably spent about a total of nine hours talking to people uh, over that period. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it gave me the opportunity to think about the woes of the world and where I am and what I'm doing. 
Um, and yeah, you know, it, 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 at no stage was like, you know, that was only 35 days. It's not the sort of length of time you're talking about, but, um, yeah, you know, it, no, it's it, still significant. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's the luxury of having time to think, which is something we don't normally get in, in a, in a modern world. So, yeah, um, it's interesting. I mean, I read that you prefer walking or hiking on your own and, um, uh, for me, I really get a lot of my energy from other people. I'm textbook extrovert. Um, yeah. uh, so I think, and now that I've walked with someone who's com- can walk, who is compatible with my walking style, um, that's probably broken me a little bit. <laughs> It'd be really nice to have some more people to walk with. But then the stress of that and running out of time on my visas is also a whole nother beast um yeah so I don't know it's a for me having that contact's really important whereas I think for you you probably um really do well from having time just to reset yeah yeah no, def- definitely there's there's no doubt about that but and I do enjoy I do, do enjoy hiking with my wife but um yeah I enjoy the I enjoy the both types of hiking so uh, and, yeah. and as you say, you, you've you know because of the constraints you're under, uh, getting someone that matches your hiking style—that's the critical thing. Um, rather, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, and that's all. That's always hard. You know, getting someone that's not not trying to drag you along, or you're trying to drag them along, and it's it, it's a hard thing to try and get that ideal that ideal match. Yeah, just like any kind of teamwork, you know, there's always um, a risk of getting somebody who brings that down the attitude of everybody because they're a whinger or I really don't like hearing someone say I'm not a morning person because I feel like <laughs> that's people take that and use that as um, an excuse or for leverage and I mean it's just like it's mornings are hard for everyone and it's oh, I really, I really don't like it when that, you've got to – drag someone mentally with you that's tough um how's all your gear holding up is it you know you have you you, you i noticed you've got a new oh. pa- you, you've got a new <laughs> pair of tights uh which are which are, uh, i don't they're um now they're kind of getting a little thin and i'm a little bit desperate for a new pair um i only have two sets of clothes now so um that i carry with me which means that um everything's getting really worn Thin, so I need to get another pair pronto. Um, but I have been really lucky recently in that I've switched into a Z-Packs tent and pack. Yep. Um, and the weight difference, I mean, when I was in Argentina, when I first started, I had a, about 30 kilos in my backpack, sometimes 35 because um, – That's a lot for, a, so, for a guy, let alone for a woman. So. Oh, <laughs> and I was so inexperienced, so green. You know, I didn't know how long my fuel would last. Like I was just so – I was playing it safe on so many levels that I was really overdoing it with what I was carrying. And now my pack is probably 10 kilos lighter. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm, I mean, I've always been um, heavy set in the sense that I'm, I'm built to be strong and I'm really grateful for that. It's quite, you know, I'm fortunate, 
but also I'm like, how, how did I carry that much weight in my backpack when I first started? I must've been so fit. And now I'm just like, Ooh, what else can I get rid of? Do I really need this tripod? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's it. You, you, you soon decide what, whether you, whether you really need something or not. And it's, it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. I mean, sometimes you, you're mm. tempted to think, Oh, I haven't used the first aid kit for a while, so I'll get rid of that. And, I'll, uh, and yeah, and sometimes things that you may not need, but might need in yeah. an emergency it's like oh. totally no i will always carry my first aid kit but certainly i still have two luxury items which is my diary yeah and i i wish i'd bought one that was more light than the one that i have um and my tripod and it sounds silly that i'd be umming and ahhing about it but recently um having dropped i think 500 grams just from being able to get rid of some winter items the difference is phenomenal in how you manage your days and how comfortable you are. Yeah, yeah. And it, and, it, and, it, and it's one of those sort of things, I suppose, where you know, you, if you're carrying the luxury items and you're willing to accept the weight, that's that's the criteria, uh, but mm. yeah, you, you do as you say when you when you're walking the distances you're walking, it's like you you really do look at things closely and and you've been doing it mm. long enough to say well I don't need this or I do need this and and, and jettison yeah. as as you go so yeah and I'd like to have a body at the end of this you know that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to say, well, particularly as you you, you head in towards Alaska, and you know, even even summertime in Alaska is not particularly warm. So, uh, no, just... and I need to be there in winter <laughs> to be able to finish. Which sounds, I mean, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a fabulous experience, but it's also going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Okay, so we've uh, we've gone through and looked at all those sort of aspects. You, are you, you as you say, you're looking uh, you, you're looking at replacing some gear. I mean, are you uh, um, are, are people still sending things over to you, or are you st- are you, the sponsors still looking after you? Or uh, yeah, you know? I mean, I tend to everything is sorted right now. The things that I need to change over though are my shoes and my clothes, and so I just wait until somebody writes to me and tells me that um, they're coming over and that they wouldn't mind bringing something to me. So I have one person coming in November and another person coming um, in December and that should just get me through with my shoes. I've got another 600 kilometres left on the current shoes that I'm in. (laughs) So it gets really tight and actually I can see that um, there are going to be times when I will change shoes even though it's not quite necessary um, purely because it's better to do that than to deal with the horrors of shoes that are no longer suitable. Yeah, yeah, better off getting rid of them early than, and you know, when, yeah. you know, when can you get the replacements? And that's, you know, particularly at the moment when you're in South America you've, you, and you do have to rely, uh, at least once you once you hit the US, you'll be able to, uh, uh, you'll be passing <sighs> through towns or you'll be able to access <laughs> REI or all the other outdoor stores. Oh, <laughs> heaven. <laughs> Yeah, now I just, um, I mean, I don't fret about it too much because things usually work out. But that said, I mean, I really am putting my faith in the kindness of strangers and people have been wonderful when they write and they tell me that they're going to be coming over to Columbia, for example, and what do I need? I mean, to me, that's just, I'm so grateful for when that happens because it, it does make a big difference. It really does. So over the last four and a half months, what's what's been the highlight for you? I think um, 
having been able to step onto the um, Incan Trail over here has just been a marvellous experience and honestly I will be coming back so that I can walk the Incan Trail in its entirety, not just um, the last section that I've, I've done because I arrived up in the mountains a little bit late intentionally because I had to persevere um, in the desert to save time for my visa. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that experience of um, the shift between the desert and back into an area where it's lush and green and where there's a lot of water and hearing the streams of water for the first time in such a long time was a really nourishing experience for me as well. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, so I suppose that's the question I'll ask you now is, was there anything you'd like to say to, to people listening to this podcast that, uh, uh, as in ways of encouragement or ways of thanks? Uh, yeah, look, if, you, if you're following already and you've been commenting on my photos, you know, I can't always respond because sometimes I don't get into town for several days and I've got so much to do. But I do read all of those comments and I think the community that have been helping me are the reason that I'm still here persisting. Um, and if you're not following and you think that you'd be interested um, in this journey, jump online and find me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, the people who are in the community are really lovely um, and I think it's not just a matter of following my journey anymore but it's becoming more of a group of people who are really worth um, interacting with. Okay, that's that's good. That's that's yeah. It, it, as you say, it is hard. You you uh, the, the the joys of yeah. trying to deal with internet access and and particularly when you oh. get so many people commenting. You as you say, you you've got limited time in town, and there's only so many hours in the yeah. day to do these things. So. I I feel so greedy because I I, I t it, you know I take so much from these lovely comments, um, but also then in between logistics and catching up with family and. Um, getting the stories ready for the next week to go up onto Instagram while I'm walking um, takes so much time that I feel like I'm not giving back enough. Um, but I, it, it really, I really do appreciate it. It does mean a big difference for me. Okay, that's good to hear. Okay, so we've been talking to Lucy Barnard from Tangles and Tail. Um, and Lucy, as we said at the start of this episode, is just about to head into Ecuador to continue her journey. Uh, and we'll try and catch up with Lucy um, either at, at the end of Ecuador or the end of Colombia uh, early in the new year. So good luck with uh, the next leg of your trip, Lucy. Uh, and I hope yeah, it all goes I'll well talk for to you. you at Christmas time. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much. Bye. Okay, so that was our conversation with Lucy, which we recorded right at the end of September, uh, and in fact that uh, she was starting back up again the day after we recorded this podcast, uh, and that should have taken her to the border with uh, Peru and Ecuador, uh, and, and by now she definitely should be in, into Ecuador continuing her hike. Now, there are a number of issues that she did raise, which we'd just like to touch on uh, and talk about um, and it's the sort of thing that most people never are never likely have to deal with or never even think about. Um, but a few of those, uh, in particular, uh, thinking about the visa issue, 
Um, she had a, a certain number of days that she was able to stay in Peru, uh, and then she either had to fly out of the country, stay illegally, which is not really a good idea, um, or uh, get herself in a situation where she could leave the country um, by the, the, the deadline that, that was imposed on her by visa conditions. Um, so for most people, as I said, not usually an issue, but uh, uh, for those people that are contemplating hiking the long trails in the States, um, that is an issue that often crops up, that you've got a, a limited visa that you're able to uh, uh, access, uh, and as much as you might want to take it slower or do more things, it's not always an option. Yeah, and Lucy did say that she was visa-driven, and by that uh she was saying that the distances that she had to do every day were real um, and that they were to ensure she got from one side of the country to the other in a reasonable amount of time and within her visa arrangements. Now, a few other things that Lucy raised. Um, we're talking about wombat and wombat having to learn how to swim. And I think for most people who live in Australia, their dogs will come across water at some stage, and, and I don't think I've ever come across a dog that doesn't like water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when when you've been raised or you, you know, you've never actually seen water that you can swim in or access because you've been walking through deserts or, or mountains, um, so wombat obviously is, is coming to love water, uh, but it sounded like a bit of a learning experience for him. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of fun in a way and, and good to see that he got into it, but yeah, it, it was a pretty unusual part of the conversation. I started, I had a bit of a um, a second take on that one. Now, the other thing uh, uh, Lucy mentioned about wombat was uh, was two other two other things that she raised. One was about the tantrums that I want to stop hiking, uh, give me a rest, uh, and then immediately followed by why aren't we hiking? Let's go. So <laughs> uh, I think wombat obviously enjoys having a bit more control over what and how they do things, um, and I think it's good to see Lucy let him. Lead the, lead the way to some extent, um, but you know, by the sound of it, uh, having a small child. Um, and she also mentioned that the uh, throwing throwing a, a bit of a, a wobbly and lying down and looking like a, you know, he's really struggling right in front of the restaurant because he knows he's going to get given free food. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see how uh, dogs in particular can manage to uh, milk the sympathy from, from people that they come across. She mentioned the yeah, the effects of altitude, and this is this is something if you've never gone through and um, hiked at altitude, it is a real or can be a real issue for you. And you know, and for those contemplating uh, hiking Kilimanjaro or going to the Himalayas or going to the Andes in South America, um, it is something you do need to consider. Um, and for us, the first time we ever were exposed to altitude was in South America in 2006, and it had a big impact on us. Um, so um, normally there are things you can do to minimise the impacts, including um, uh, taking drugs for it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's something you can't just turn up over there thinking, yep, it's going to be fine. Uh, it is a consideration. And in her perspective, where she's spending many months, uh, particularly at very high altitude, doing long distances, it's something that she has to deal with uh, uh, as a matter of course. Yeah, I mean, she was talking um, about um, climbing, you know, up to high levels and then climbing down again. And uh, going into Ecuador, she was going to be at the round about 5,000 metre mark. 
and uh, some days, over a 30-kilometre day, she would end up going down to 2,000 metres and presumably then up again the next day. So, you know, that can take its toll too. Lucy also talked about her her physical and mental mental fitness and and by the sound of it she's doing really well from a physical perspective. Uh, she's into the routine, she's into a rhythm, she's managing to maintain her fitness uh, and certainly the last time we talked to her she had some um, illness in, uh, illness issues but this time it didn't seem to be as much of a problem. Um, she did talk about her mental fitness and as part of that she, she does enjoy having uh, the company of others, um, even if just for short periods, uh, to to bounce some ideas off. Um, as I, as we talked about during the episode, I do like solo hiking, but when I talk about solo hiking, I'm talking about you know one one and a half months at the most, not talking about a number of years, which is what Lucy's doing. So she obviously needs to have the interaction with people from time to time, um, and yeah, you know, and she does appreciate people coming and joining her. On the other side of that, she she mentioned that um, uh, you know, she is in the groove of things. She's, she's certainly supremely fit. She's been doing this for a while now. Uh, and having people join that don't have the ability to do the 20 to 30 kilometres a day that she's doing, uh, particularly when it's com- combined with altitude, um, I think it's becoming a bit of a, a culture shock for the people that are joining her. Um, so as she said, you know, she, she really ideally needs to be hiking with, with – um, you know, uh, professional adventure hikers uh, who are in the same sort of fitness level as hers. Now, that's that's uh, obviously an extreme there, um, but it is something that's worthwhile considering. Whenever you go hiking, whatever your level happens to be, it's nice to have someone that has the same sort of hiking style and abilities that you do. You don't want to feel like you're holding them up. You don't want to feel like that they're holding you up. And it's nice to, to have someone who's an even sort of pace and, uh, um, and for that matter, uh, temperament that you have to make things flow a bit smoothly. So I think for me, there are a whole bunch of things here. One is about um, the energy that you get from uh, the feedback that she's receiving. And she talked about uh, the, the social media comments and how important they were for her. Um, the other aspect of, you know, being fit and in your own element and being able to do it yourself. And then the other sort of component of this is, um, uh, really enjoying the company of others. Um, the challenge being, though, that uh, those others aren't as uh, anywhere near as fit or as as, as prepared. Uh, you know, she's been doing this for a long time now, um, as she is, to do the distances, to, you know, appreciate the terrain that's coming and so on. One of the things she also mentioned was um, the – Starting off with a heavy pack that she was saying she was when she first started off she had a thirty four kilo pack, and while she did say she's reasonably fit and strong, that's a big percentage of her body weight. You know, I, I, I have no idea how much she weighs, but she doesn't look like she 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 weighs a huge amount to be carrying a thirty four kilo pack. I don't want to carry a thirty four kilo pack, and I'm sitting around about the hundred kilo mark. So what is she now? What's she carrying? At she's the ca- she said she's carrying around about ten kilos less, which is still a heavy pack. But given that what she's doing and the fact that she's she really can't rely on finding things at a local store in South America, um, you know, twenty four kilos is still a heavy pack, um, and she's back to a pack again now rather than the uh, the cart that she was using for a while. 
Um, but as she said, she's looking at any opportunity to remove things out of that pack mm. and to reduce her weight. Mm. And uh, she, you know, again, going back to her fitness, I mean, she is, you know, very fit and very prepared for um, this activity. Uh, I'm sure it's still tough, uh, <laughs> supremely tough. <laughs> And, and she did actually say that um, when she first started off, it was playing it safe. You know, she was carrying things just in case. And I think as you gain an experience, you work out that, all right, there are some things, you know, you, you need to carry a first aid kit, which you may never, ever use. Um, but do you need to carry two or three or four changes of clothing? Or do you need to carry three or four extra days of food? Sometimes the answer might be yes. Um, but uh, you know, carrying it because you think that's likely to be used rather than, oh, just in case. Um, and we've talked about packing our fears in a previous episode. Okay, so that was our catch-up with Lucy. Uh, as we said, we'll, uh, we'll try and catch up with her probably towards the end of the year, uh, by which stage she'll have finished Ecuador and be into Colombia. She thinks she'll take about three uh, months in Ecuador and then three months in, in uh, um, Colombia as she goes through there. Um, but we'll we'll try and catch up with her around, as I said, around the Christmas time to see how she's going on that one. Yeah, it'd be good to wish her a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and and um, hopefully she'll get that 90-day visa that she needs for Ecuador. Now, if you go to the show notes for this episode, episode 126, uh, we'll have all the contact points where you can send her an email, talk to her on Instagram, uh, follow her map, uh, which she gets updated on a regular basis. Um, and if you want to help out, uh, there's options to do that as well. So as I said, go to the show notes uh, and you'll have all the contact details for that information as well. Next week's episode, episode 127, we're going to talk about dehydrating food for hikes. Um, and again, we've talked about food for hiking in the past. Now we're going to look at how we go about dehydrating food, the pros and the cons, and hopefully from your perspective, help you decide whether it's something you want to get into or not. We've mentioned this before, um, Australian Hiker is able to be followed on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and Pinterest. Uh, and again, if you go to the show notes, we'll have the links to those uh, just so you can keep up with the latest news from Australian Hiker. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.